we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. Do you love the idea of being your own boss? What about saving money on childcare because you can actually work flexibly around your family? My Bump to Baby is rapidly expanding and we are looking for people to run their own pregnancy to preschool hubs in their local area. Full training is provided, ongoing mentor support, fantastic regular team incentives, a bonus scheme, uncapped commission, review products for free and review days out too. If you are interested in being the My Bump to Baby Manager for your local area, email us business at mybumptobaby.com. Limited space available. Hello and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood, uncensored, unhinged and unapologetic, guilt-free, real, raw mum chats with me, your host, Carla Lett, oversharer and founder of My Bump to Baby, the UK's leading pregnancy to preschool directory. This week, on Monday, it was World Menopause Day. So this week, we are welcoming on a special guest, Fiona Legg, who will be sharing her story about her journey into choosing to go through the menopause early and her reasons why. Please note that suicide is mentioned in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. 
Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. This week I am talking to Fiona Legg about her choosing to go through the menopause early. So hello Fiona, how are you? Hi Carla, I'm good thank you. Thank you so much for coming on um, to this week's episode and, and sharing your story with us. I really do appreciate it. Pleasure, absolutely. I'm happy to share. Thank you. Thank you. So Fiona, can we go back um, and rewind just to when you had your second son and how um, you got onto your menopause journey, if you like. So you just had your second son and you started experiencing um, severe PMS symptoms. Can you tell us a little bit about about what happened there? Yeah, so I had my second son and um, I would get to um, so a few months in, I did all the breastfeeding and, and you know, got to the point where um, my period started to return. And uh, so so then I started to experience really severe um, what they call in the US PMDD, PMS symptoms. So I'd have excessive bleeding, um, you know, to the point where I was wearing black trousers all the time. Um, it was awful. I'd have really bad headaches, um, joint pain. I'd feel sad, um, which, you know, I'm such a positive person. Usually, you know, that would just be, it would be like a switch of, of I'd have a lack of confidence. I didn't want to go and do things. I would put my smiley face on, you know, I'd be clumsy. And so these symptoms started to to sort of get progressively worse um, over time. Did you think it was anything else, Fiona? Because I know fibromyalgia is quite, you know, where you, with in terms of joint pains and stuff like that. I mean, did did you go to the doctors for it? Um, it took me some some time to basically pluck up the courage uh, to to go to the GP. I'd kind of sort of I got I, you know with the births I've got quite a high pain threshold, and I kind of just sort of carried on and carried on um and then my husband sort of um he he'd recognized um during uh, you know during the luteal phase of my period that running up to it uh I'd have some of these symptoms and then um as soon as I bled you know it was literally like oh back to cheery self again and it was just a switch it's strange that because it must have taken a while to figure that out because if you think about it you know it, you can always just think oh I was just in a bad mood you know like I was just in a bad Absolutely. place and yeah. then you're back to your normal self again so it must have to happen quite a few times for him to have figured that out yeah so it went on for a little while and and then you know we talked about it each month and I actually started tracking it um in 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 a diary and I think that was when we got to I've been tracking it for a year and then we decided, you know, well, I, I decided it was it was time to do something about it. Um, and I took along the, the the tracker and I said, look, I've been tracking it for a year. I've done all my research and I found that it was potentially it was it was PMDD. Goodness, I'd never I'll be honest with you. I'd never had heard of PMDD before. Can you just explain a little bit more about what that is? Okay, so it's it's like it, obviously most women um, during their luteal phase, when when they've got their uh, periods, they have uh, bleeding, and they'll have maybe you know it's seen as a bad mood, that sort of thing. You know, there's always obviously jokes about it, but actually this is a severe form of it. This is this affects not just physical symptoms, but also um, you know you get like I said the mental symptoms of lack of confidence um, you're feeling sad and you don't know why and you know I've never had any prior mental health conditions so this was a bit of a, a, a real shock when this started happening 
Um, and then I actually found out through my research online that um, I was progesterone intolerant because obviously we have two hormones. We have estrogen and progesterone, and obviously people have testosterone as well. Mm-hmm. But those those key estrogen and progesterone are the ones that, uh, in, particularly for women, those are the key um, hormones you have. So I found that I remember looking back now when I was um, in, in the younger days, in my 20s, I was put on the pill for um, I had bad acne. And I remember looking back, I was actually probably progesterone intolerant all my life and hadn't realized it, but only through this, doing the research, because I never really got on with the pill. No. So so I never had that um, and I didn't have a coil or anything like that because I've always been quite holistic yes. in my approach. So, um, so, so yeah, so I'm actually progesterone intolerant, uh, which would then obviously result in only having estrogen. That's, mm. that's all I can tolerate my body. Goodness, gosh, that's, that's, yeah. Were you finding that your PMDD was just getting worse every month or did it? Absolutely. It was getting really worse. And then I'd ever, we'd monitor it. So um, in the diary, we'd find that every six months, I'd have a really, really bad period where I would be bleeding for like 10 days. And I would, when I talk about bleeding, really heavy bleeding. um, I eventually, I went to the the cups, you know, the moon cups, Mm -hmm. because I just couldn't tolerate anything else because I was just finding there was just too much, too much of the bleeding. Goodness, I bet you felt ill as well then, because... Oh, yeah. You know, I had, uh, you know, I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old and I just kind of plowed on because you had to get out, out and about and just carry on regardless of what, what problems you have, you know. What was the turning point for you then, Fiona, when you decided, right, enough's enough, I'm actually going to get help now on what I need to do next? Yeah, so I think it was a bit of embarrassment, actually, because around the stigma of mental health, um, which we all, you know, it's all quite um, out in the open now, but I felt quite embarrassed to go to the GP. And I'm literally like, you know, is this is this something bad, um, you know, shameful to, to, to be experiencing, uh, which is quite sad if you look look at it now, you know, how you sort of suffered by yourself. Um, so but I got to one of those difficult points where it was, you know, every six months, it would be quite a really sad time. And um, I remember just thinking the one time I can't carry on anymore. I am just going to get in my car. And I'm going to drive into a wall. Goodness. And that that was the turning point for me. I, I just, you know, I felt like I, I wasn't the sort of person that could carry it through. But actually, during those really dark times, I probably could have done. Um, yeah. And then you probably frighten yourself, don't you, then? And you're like, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? I need help. Yeah. And it wasn't if it wasn't for my children, you know, that was pulling me through. I've got to get through this for the, for the boys because, you know, they are my world. Um, so I I literally thought, right, I'm, I'm going to seek some help. Um, and I did. And, you know, that was a really big moment f- for me, um, you know, in confidence levels to actually say to the GP, you know, I've got I've got this this issue here. Can, can you help? Yeah. Had he had your GP heard of it? before um she had actually she'd had um she'd had some vague sort of uh, idea of it which was good um and we did it you know I, I took all my research to her and she knew that I was thoroughly read up on it so uh 
she said yeah I understand and you know we talked about the options of a coil and I said no that that's not going to change it I'm, I know that's not going to work and she said well I'll tell you what we'll give you some antidepressants uh, and I, again, I'd done my research on them. And for me personally, you know, I know people do do use them and that's that's their own, own sort of judgment. But for me personally, I thought, no, I, I can't go down the, the route of because, again, I talk about my holistic side. I don't really like to be on tablets and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of minimal. I don't use antibiotics unless I really have to. And it's sort of, I'm only paracetamol. So um, I actually... Um, I came away with a prescription. I felt really deflated. I went in and got the prescription and I took them home and I just burst into tears. And I said to my husband, I'm not going to take these. I cannot take these. It's just, just beyond me, beyond my belief. So I, so I decided not to, and I, and I made in a follow-up appointment and I, uh, I think it was three months later, cause she said, see how you get on three months later. I said to her, I couldn't go through with it. I couldn't take the tablets. Um, I wanted to be in fully control of of my mind, and because uh, I would, I'd read about detrimental effects with with this sort of PMDD that it could, you know, have an adverse effect. So yeah, I think everyone's different, Fiona, as well, and I totally agree with you. I mean, I I was the same with I did initially when I had postnatal depression. I did initially take the tablets, but you know they just made me feel like a zombie, so I stopped. Yeah. And then when I had um you know um other you know anxiety and stuff, it, they're so quick the doctors sometimes to just pass you the, the pills. And to me, I just wanted to actually get to the root cause of the problem and try and actually Absolutely. sort it out. So so everyone's different, and it works for some people. But yeah, I, I get. I get that and I get why you wouldn't want to do that as well so so um so what was the next step then um, from there um so the next step was um I spoke to my mother actually and I said to her look I really like you to come along to the to the next appointment uh because my mother she had her hysterectomy at 32 um and she's got five sisters and they too had also had a her you know an early hysterectomies what were the reasons for them then um I didn't go into too much depth um, with her sisters, but from what I can from what I can gauge, they were they were it's very likely that they had undiagnosed PMDD. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Then I was thinking, is it hereditary, or you know, because it seems I mean that's a lot, a lot of sisters, a lot of women in your family to go through a hysterectomy, isn't it? It is, and I and I again I've done the research, and I do believe that it is it, it does carry through. Um, which in a blessing it's great I've got two boys because it won't follow through for them because if obviously if I had a daughter it's like highly likely to Um, so she came along uh, to the appointment with the consultant the consultant at this time was um, been in practice for many years and she was initially she tried to to basically put me off it don't go through with it it's a major surgery you know um, there's low levels of testosterone in if you needed that in the country you know she was sort of thing and so I was really determined um, and so she did eventually refer me to a consultant at the hospital uh, which speci- specialised obviously in gynaecology and uh, he he was fantastic he saw I explained the situation about um, feeling suicide and he said you know I can see you've done more than your fair of research and you know what you're talking about he said if you feel that's what you want to do um, then I'll support you in it. I bet you felt relieved at that point a little bit because it's like this something is going to get done. 
He did, but there was a caveat with that, you see. Um, he said um, in, in order to, um, we have to follow obviously procedures because there's um, there's actually, uh, it's called, I've got the document here, it's a treatment guidelines for PMS. So I had to go through all of the, it's like a flow diagram, you had to go through all of this before you actually get to surgery. So um, I did all my complementary therapies and I decided not to go on the antidepressant, the, the Prozac. Um, so the next step for me was um, the GNRH injections, which basically mimic a uh, going into menopause. Right. OK, goodness. What are the side effects of these injections and what what types of things it's more to the point, what aren't the side effects? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, so this was a really difficult decision for me because, I, again, I'd done my research on it and it was so, some, of the, some of the side effects. I just, um, yeah, it was awful. And I was like, well, I've got to go on four months of shutting down my ovaries. Oh, my goodness. And, and also that question arises as well. Did you want to have any more children? Because even if you really didn't, there's part of you that when you're doing that, you think, do I though? Do I want another one? Or did that come into your head at all? Oh, totally. All through this time, because in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted maybe just another one. Mm. Uh, You know how you sort of, you don't, you know, you sort of perhaps think, oh yeah, maybe, maybe one more. Because, you know, my children were three and five and I could have maybe just slot in another one. Yeah. That would be lovely, you know. Oh, yeah. but um, at this time, it was almost like, if I don't do this, you know, what what, what will happen? Um, it, this is not going to get any better. Um, and I could see the end treatment was was going to be hard, you know, a major surgery. But actually, if it solved the problem, then this was the answer. Yeah, yeah. Did it? Did you find that? I mean, did it affect your marriage at all? Your um, PMDD, or was it just a case of that time of the month? It was just almost like uncopable, really, for your husband. Um, it, it was. Very, it's very hard work, mm. um, and um, I don't think at first he he fully understood all the aspects of it, and I think that's where the you know awareness and education in this sort of um, aspect is is really really good and I think you know he, he wasn't quite sure about the, the operation because he said he, he, you know he's not fond on intervention he very rarely sees the doctor I can't even remember him seeing the doctor in the 20 years I've known him wow goodness yeah so that's quite a big well it's a huge decision isn't it really how long did it take them from these injections to get the the hysterectomy then uh, so I had the four months of injections, and so it was complete shutdown of the ovaries. So I literally went into menopause. I had some uh, joint pain. I had some hot sweats, um, but I felt so much better. So when it came, so so yes, yeah, so I didn't have any um, periods. I didn't have any uh, symptoms. Those physical symptoms and mental symptoms. It was like a switch. Wow. So your mood, did you find your mood was leveled out then? So you were just always felt the same? I've always felt the same. Yeah. I felt like my good old self and, you know, the positive person that I am when I wasn't, um, you know, going through periods. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. So, so what's the, what, how, how was the operation then and everything like that from there? Yeah. So I did the four months with uh, rejections and then I was put on the waiting list for the hysterectomy. Um, I can't actually remember the time in between now, uh, but 
you know, between having the injections, but I had to go through a few more periods, which was literally like, oh no. Oh no, yeah. Back to it again. Which but is, at least you're you know. all aware then. You're almost aware of it, aren't you? Um, yes. Then, and you're like, look, just stay away from me for the next <laughs> week, please. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, so yeah, so we did that. And then um, I had a, there was a cancellation because this was on the NHS. There was a cancellation and they said, could you come in? Um, and have your operation so I had no time to think about it no planning Um, because obviously I'm too young a a toddler free and a a, a young one at five going into reception yeah it's like okay we've got to do this I've got to take the appointment here in a way that's good because then you didn't have to think overthink it yes Um, so so how was the operation then uh, so I literally I went in in the afternoon. Um, they put me under anaesthetic in the late evening. Uh, well, let's say it was sort of five six o'clock. I went down, um, and I wasn't apprehensive about it at all. I was really positive and really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, I know there's always risks with any major yes. surgery, um, but they did keyhole surgery, um, which was obviously less invasive. Yeah. Um, so I literally went down, uh, came back out of surgery. I wasn't in there long at all. I was, I was joking with the uh, anaesthetic mm-hmm. when they, when they put it in and saying, oh, he said, oh, yeah, it's like a nice, um, gin and tonic. And I was making jokes right, <laughs> right into it. So passed out, had the operation, came back round, and I was sat eating by about eight o'clock. Wow, that is so good. I bet you were glad once it was done then. It's like, almost like it's over, this horrible period of like, literally, this horrible period is over. It is. But obviously, I knew there would be, you know, obviously, um, with surgery, uh, because obviously, it's your abdominal area. Mm. Um, it, I found it difficult to walk. So that was difficult, you know, the recovery, that side of it. So and they say you shouldn't lift anything for six months, even a kettle. Um, with your boys I I bet that was hard that was really hard and I think I did overstretch myself but um yeah when it when it came to the recovery but at the end of the day I knew there was there was a light at the end of the tunnel brilliant so so then what how did you find everything then after the after the operation then so you said it was you felt a lot better and everything is there anything more that you need to do then um now or I mean what how does it how do you feel like in general straight away after absolutely it's just like just like the person I am before before the you know um it's like I've I would say a new person but it's actually like the person I am when I didn't have the periods if you see what I mean yeah yeah so I just felt amazing because I knew um you know the menopause was basically the cure for me otherwise you know it would be really detrimental so um, I have estrogen patches, um, which I put on twice a week, um, and they just stop basically the hot flushes because I did go for a period after my operation where I didn't have any patches and I was getting hot flushes around about nine o'clock at night. Oh, wow. I bet that's so strange because I even I remember my mum being like, oh, I'm having a hot flush. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Um, but is that the worst, the worst side effect of it, really? Or That's the for me, that's the only side effect as such. I did have a little bit of joint pain. So the so they gave me the estrogen patches just to obviously subside some of that and and um, and help help with that. Um, but apart from that, 
that symptom for me was really mild and I wasn't worried about the hot flushes. Mm. Mm. Um, obviously, there are risks with having an early hysterectomy, you know, like heart disease and cancers. But um, I think really for the quality of life, I had to have it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The thing is, you just want to enjoy life, don't you? And, you know, where you were at, I mean, at a time when you were thinking of, you know, running your car into a wall. I mean, that's a horrible thing that you must have been in a really, really dark and very low place um, to think like that. So you think, you know, anything, I mean, anything to make you feel better is, is so worth it because it means also your family then as well are feeling better as well because no one wants to see their mum upset, do they? No, that's it. You know, and you just cry and cry for no reason. And I'm not really a big crier when it comes to it. And this was just like a switch um, and I remember my husband saying to me, well, this is this is six months of your year. This yeah. is basically, you know, when you when you calculate it, the amount of discomfort you were going through through those 12 months, say in a 12 month cycle, because you have a period obviously every month. This is just, you know, so much of your life to carry yeah. on right up until you reach menopause. Awful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, did you feel strange telling people that you were having to go through the menopause so early or did you just not tell anyone? Uh, no, I did. I, I did talk about having the menopause, but I did at that stage. I didn't talk in great detail the reasons why, you know, um, um, I think it was more of sort of um, the stigma around it, because that was obviously five years ago now. Um, and I think there's a lot of. Uh, lot of awareness and a lot of a bit more accepting of mental health and you know a lot of physical symptoms with it because I, I talk about the bleeding with people I say yeah my periods were just too heavy and that for me I felt comforted by that was an end solution to tell people because it was just too much I think for some people to listen to mm, yeah. I don't think they were quite there you know what I mean yeah, I think that's it. I think people don't, I mean, unless they're going through, it's quite hard to understand like all of the different things that someone could go through to lead them to the, to that decision. Yeah, and I think it's easy for people to just judge too much um, unless they've experienced it. And they're, you know, in that situation, um, you know, people, people are shocked still now when I say um, my, I've had a hysterectomy they go oh that's the first thing people say uh, you know when what comes out of their mouth when I say to them and you know people who don't yeah. know me that well and they're like gosh yeah I do think there's a lot of things I mean nowadays it's really good because there's a lot of awareness around different things so we're talking about it more openly like you coming on here and sharing your story and when you were going through it you'd probably think of nothing worse and you'd been like oh my god I'd never tell anyone all that that I go through but now you're on the other side of it and you feel great um so that's that's really positive absolutely and I think you know I'm, I'm very conscious now about um getting this the other side of my menstrual cycle I'm now in the menopause and, and making sure that I look after those aspects because there's all, obviously risk of osteoporosis as well so I take a good um, uh, vitamins and minerals um, I try to eat really well because I feel if I go off off track with the menopause when I'm not eating say I you know might sneak in a little treat somewhere you know I don't feel quite right the next day um um, what, what are the side effects then of the menopause or not side effects as such but what 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 things do you have to look out for 
once you've well it's it's sort of increasing your bone density so um aerobic activities and making sure you're you know you know you're sort of healthy and and really you know alcohol as well I don't really drink that much now I'll have the occasional glass of wine uh, socially uh but when it comes to alcohol I find if I have, have have say more than two glasses I start to maybe get a little bit of joint pain so I try to sort of I try to avoid it really in that in that sense so so the symptoms really I suppose for me personally um maybe a, a hot flush if I forget to put my patch on yeah um but yeah. my mood my mood is always level now I don't have any mood problems at all that's incredible you know it's been like the cure for me it's uh yeah I bet yeah I, the thing is you, you must feel like a completely different person like you say um and to be honest you know from being when you're younger when you're a young girl you go through you know that time in your life where you're just angry all the time well like I did sorry mum if she's listening um, but <laughs> I I honestly I was a right little cow um you know before my period started so and then your periods start and your hormones are all over the place anyway so I bet for you it's like a new lease of life really because as a girl you never really know yourself when you're not having hormones and surging through your body and that time of the month etc that's right absolutely yeah and you know I, I was a teenager the same as you and probably a complete nightmare and I looking back I, I think yes yeah, some of that was con- contributed and I think I did have a mild form of the PMDD and it just as my hormone hormones changed after giving birth um, it just got progressively worse and and that's one thing to also consider for everybody is you know your hormones are always changing yeah they can I know that's strange because before your second son then were your your periods did you find that they were still like that or were they just completely not as bad as as they what they got to towards the end um they were still heavy and I think even in my 20s um I had times where I was like whoa these where did these mood swings come from so I actually think it just got it just got to the point after the second child it was just so severe it was so recognizable it wasn't just general PMS it was a severe form of PMS wow wow no, it's really really interesting so Fiona thank you for talking to us about that is there, is there anything else that you would you would want to share with anyone that perhaps is going through the early menopause or at that time in the life where they're thinking they might have PMDD and they're considering a hysterectomy is there anything that you you would be that you think is important to share I think um in the early days when I was doing my research I came across actually a couple of Facebook groups which were absolutely invaluable um for listening to other people's experiences and sharing my experiences on there Um, and you sort of you come to the conclusion because a hysterectomy for PMDD is not for everybody Uh, I know a lot of people in the group that I'm in it doesn't work out for them and they still have all the effects but for me it, it did actually it did actually solve solve it um but yeah I think also don't be afraid to go and see the GP. Don't feel shy. Don't feel shamed. Um, and talk to people about it. It's it it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you know, there's there's too much stigma around it in in general mental health. And I think the more people are aware of it, and the more you can sort of 
speak to other people and, and just put your hand up and say, look, you know, hold on, I need help. Um, I, th- I think that's really the whole key to it. Um, so because important. in some ways, I, I feel I wish I'd have done it years ago, but then I wouldn't have had my children. So um, you've got to do it when the, you know, you feel the time is right for you. Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of women out there who are going through the early menopause as well. And, you know, they might not finish the families. And, oh, it's just, it, it can be quite a frightening time, can't it? And, all, and also, you know, different ages, because if you think about it, um, some parents, uh, some people's parents didn't have children whilst they're going through the menopause. Because traditionally, the menopause was 50 plus. By that point, childbearing women had probably had their children in their 20s and 30s. So women are having, obviously, children a lot later now. And they are going into menopause. Um, So, yeah, because, like, I had a three and a five-year-old and I was straight into menopause. Goodness. I know that's it. I think um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of my friends as well have all kind of, they're going you know we're all doing our own thing and having children you know into our 30s and you know years ago I mean my mum was 21 and I think it just catches you up so quick and you think oh my goodness you know if you know if you don't have children early you could you could end up going through the early early menopause and it is it's quite a frightening time it is and I feel that there's a lot of um again a lot of awareness around menopause now and you know, seek seek that information online. Have a look. There, there's plenty of organisations that are, are willing to help. There's so many groups out there as well, actually, Fiona. Fiona, would you mind, um, after this, uh, sharing the groups with me? Um, and I'll put all those on the show notes so people could know where they can go if, if it is something that they're suffering with at the absolutely. moment. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So, Fiona, tell us a little bit about you anyway and where people can find you if, if, if they want to ask you some more questions, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, um, and I'm on Twitter. I'm on all the social networks. Um, uh, Fiona Leg. Um, you'll see Fiona Leg as the as the name, or Fiona Leg Photography. Um, so yeah, um, I'm I'm sort of based in the Cotswolds, um, and I'm I, I'm a photographer. I'm a farmer. I'm oh a recent, yeah. I say a recent farmer. Uh, I'm a newbie farmer. Um, so I've Amazing. got doing beekeeping and bees and um, I do also do photography and business coaching wow that is amazing so if you need any of those things then you need to speak to Fiona so thank you so (laughs) much Fiona um, for sharing your story it's um, a pleasure to have you on here yeah I hope I hope it can help other people that's the main main reason I'm sure I'm sure it will thank you Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. My aim is to support free chat around motherhoods, uncensored, unhinged and unapologetic mum chats. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends about it. The more listeners we get, the more subscribers we get, the more chance we've got of getting series three done. So, I look forward to speaking to you next time and keep your eyes peeled on our social pages to find out who our next guest is. I'm sure you will love it.
We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you, the ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.